Hey, hey, Changemaker, welcome to Rethink Social Change Podcast, a show dedicated to helping social change practitioners improve the way they make change happen to achieve tangible and sustained impact. I'm your host, Ratiba Sharif. I've worked with some of the world's leading social change organizations for more than two decades on four continents to help them design better projects, learn from them, and measure their results. Using Rethink Social Change cards, I will challenge changemakers like yourself to share their experience on what worked, what didn't, and why in a very unique way. I will shuffle the deck of 54 Rethink Social Change cards and randomly draw four cards that will guide our conversation. So if you're ready for unscripted, jargon-free stories from the field, let's dive into today's episode. On today's episode, we have the incredible Silva Ferretti joining us. Silva's not your average consultant. Her journey has been a global adventure, working in development and humanitarian aid. Uh, she's collaborated extensively with renowned organizations like ActionAid, uh, Handicap International, um, some UN agencies, and several others. What drives her? Making sure that programs actually work for the people they're meant to serve. Silva's expertise revolves around uh, enhancing program quality and ensuring they're responsive to the unique needs, strengths, uh, aspirations of communities they serve. What she's good at, impact evaluations, crafting toolkits, coaching sessions, and field research. She's even uh, collaborated with universities, leading workshops on everything from disaster risk management all the way to creative ways of evaluating impact. And the coolest part is that Silva is a real innovator. She uses visuals and videos to gather and share information, making her work not just effective, but also engaging. Get ready to be inspired as we explore Silva's world, where creativity meets real-world impact. Silva Ferretti, thank you so much for joining me on the Rethink Social Change podcast. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you and to have you. I'm so looking forward to this conversation because of the breadth of your experience, both geographic, but also in terms of areas of focus and the nexus between areas. And I crossed my finger to have interesting cards. I hope so. I hope so. But you know what? Will the cards start us off? And then we can go, the conversation will take us elsewhere, right? It's, it's not a problem. So as you know, I will pick three cards randomly, which we'll talk about. And then I will, which I will show you. And I will now pick my bonus card that I won't show you. I'll bring it in later on in the conversation. All right. Let's see your cards. Oof. Let's see. Let's see. All right. So we have, oh, nice. Okay. So we have. In terms of change, yeah. we're going to talk about, oh, the sun is not helping. Community change. Yes, I can see it. Community. Community change. Okay, so that's change at the level of communities. So it's about to also, it can talk about many things, but mostly social norms, values that are in communities. There is a qualified card called measurable. Oh, wow. So, One of my favorites. Yeah. How can we ensure that the change we're bringing at community level is measurable? What has been your experience? What are the tools, the processes that you've used, etc.? <laughs> and then in the terms of scale stakeholders, I have oh, consultants. Well yeah, the use of consultants. That's why I said it's fantastic <laughs> because we have one. It's technical expertise that we bring in 
either during implementation or mostly as evaluators, we know <laughs> that we oftentimes they're external and uh, hired as the consultants. So those are our three cards. Okay. My very first question is, what thoughts do they trigger? Do they bring about like an idea of one particular project maybe that you worked on? Well, I mean, actually, I, I would pick immediately on the measurable cards. So I can start with my personal rant. Yeah. And uh, my personal rant is, does it really matter to measure in many cases and circumstances? Because mm. there is a fixation that things need to be measured. And uh, what I feel is that this is really skewing and uh, killing a lot of interest in change because it is becoming an obsession and every time people talk about understanding, change, they say, oh, is it measurable? Is it really the first question that should come to our mind? Because uh, I'm not against measure. I, I turn up then to like numbers and uh, diagrams, probably much more than many people who are fixated with fixed indicators and measure. Mm. But to me, before measuring, we need to have understanding. And understanding is a word that has been completely lost. So we never say, can we understand society? Can we understand the dynamic? And actually, this is far more interesting and useful. While we skip to measure, and you have social change, and you don't know actually what is really changing, who is making the change, what is the dynamic, and so on. All things that we need to understand, that we can more and more represent, and yeah, maybe we can make in a second the link with community and communities, and uh, we skip it. And then we said, oh, well, what is it that we, we can measure? And we need to quick, quick, look for some numbers that we can put there. Mm -hmm. So by putting understand, measure before understanding, we are really putting the cart before the horse. And it's making it, uh, I mean, it's, it's crazy because I can see the understanding is not there. In many cases, uh, you mentioned before our uh, common interest in uh, working with child soldiers, for example. I work in project where I had numbers of children going through the process, but there was no hint of what the process was or what were the circumstances of the children, how they react. That was just a number. And so, you know what? I don't count it. This number is totally meaningless. So I really think we have a problem in the sector and uh, I go very hard on that, not because I don't like measure. I think at some point we need to measure count or at least un understand but if you don't understand you don't even understand what they need yeah so so it's not a question of whether measuring is good or bad it's like is what you measure yeah but i mean it's not the first thing how many things you measure in your life do you measure your wedding do you measure your friendship uh, when you talk about friendship do you need do you count your friend do you count mm. how many time you go and visit them do you count how many phone calls we do so mm. it would be stupid you know my friendship is not how many friends i have how many phone calls i have but it's something that runs much deeper in terms of relation and actually there are now much more interesting tools to understand so one of the things that i like a lot is all uh, network mapping and if you mm -hmm. think about mapping relationship and then doing this fantastic relationship map that can work for many things they can work for communities and you know who are the actors and we have mm -hmm. these bubble maps where people are linked but you also mm -hmm. matter for change you know what are the factors driving change yeah. and you can start drawing this real theory of change not the fake one where you can see that everything so those two can draw complex and actually 
those tools are tools that are never hardly used. Yes, those tools, are they qualitative or quantitative? Neither. Because mm. the moment you draw that, you can get some sort of better understanding. You can even have measure if you want, you know, at Absolutely. some point. Yeah, yeah. But first you need to have the understanding. You can also demonstrate change if you do a network map of the community before you start intervention. You see the nodes, the connection, who's who are the key players, who are the, exactly. the most connected. Exactly. And then you do it again at the end of the project on a similar demographic, if not the same one, and see what has changed. Maybe you've increased the density of the networks is bigger. Maybe the connections, those who were less connected are now getting into the center of the network. So those are very, very interesting tools. They're not easy to design and understand and implement in some communities, depending on where you work. But I'm not, you know, and even major is not. So I think that you know, the quest for major will lost evidence. And I want to reclaim evidence because evidence is much more than major is much deeper. Let's, I think we need to brave and say a lot of the measures we have are crap. Mm, and they have a huge, I mean, we always say, you know, we need to have major because we need to, you know, cost effectiveness, uh, showing value for money. I think if we try to prove the value for money of major, we will find out that the major we're using are an incredible waste of money because there is a lot of energies, a lot of tools, a lot of skills and so on that go into understanding how many meetings we have to do. Mm. No, because we don't know what what the meetings were about, if the meetings were good, if the meeting changed anything, who was there, uh, in what setup, was it right to do a meeting in the first place or should we have done something else? So because we use all this energy, and, you know, and meetings, meeting is a perfect example for me, because what do you do now? You need to count meetings and participants. So here you are. You send an, um, a form where people need to sign if they were there or not. And let's leave aside even all the challenge, especially if you do sensitive things of having people signing because sometimes they don't want to show you've been there. Sometimes it's humiliating because many people cannot sign. So they need to fingerprint and it gets humiliating. And then you got all this attendance coming in the most remote villages and you will have someone going with a motorbike bike or on a car, getting those pieces of paper and put them somewhere or creating a mobile application to count how many people went to this meeting. Do we care? No, because we don't know who was there, what was discussed. So, and all the energy that goes in tracking this number, totally meaningless, is not using understanding what came out, where meeting good, what social connection. I mean, mapping social network there in participatory way would be much more revealing and would cost less and would bring the community in instead of extracting numbers in making them in control of what they like. Yeah, there's also, Silva, the, um, for having done it and struggled with those concepts, actually, and, and choices, it's easier, of course, to count regardless of some of the implications, right? Inclusion or, you know, um, regardless of what it is, the tools that you use and how you use them, you can be very sensitive with those quantitative tools. The thing is that with the uh, qualitative tools, participatory tools, you can't go as wide oh, you can. in terms of breadth. Like you can't, you, you can have like a sample of you people can. you would okay, follow. You ah, so... Tell me more about that. You can if you are strategic because 
I think it was Rwanda, but uh, I saw work done in cooperation with the government to basically get statistics based on community mapping. It has been done. The base for statistics at the regional level discussed with the government were a process, participatory process that managed to basically count service and people in a place. So it's perfectly possible to do. And the sampling was wide enough to, to Everyone be... It was not a sampling. The government mm. wow. so okay. it is possible. It's just that we don't think it is. And it is for me really, really annoying because in a way we think that, you know, I think that because we are so used to the same type of tools, it's like we are always going and saying to people who maybe need bicycles, you say, you know, we know how to how to build the car. So we can build a car for you. And people will say, hey, we need bicycles here. Say, no, sorry, you need to have a car. And this is what the same way we are using our m tool. We decided that we need to use certain tools, certain job frames, certain capacities, certain skill set, because they are good in our report, because they taught us in school how to use them. But we never question if we are monitoring and evaluating and understanding change more broadly in the best possible way. So we are mm. basically wasting tons of money and energy to get numbers to put in reports that have no practical use. Mm. So we'll look at this data, people reading the report, yeah. and how much those numbers cost. Yeah, I guess it also depends on what what matters to whoever asks for these reports, right? Uh, if it's accountability that matters, we have to show that we've reached X amount of people. Yes, that's one thing. Because uh, account- what is accountability? Accountability is not compliance. Mm. Accountability is to be able to, uh, for me, is a promise. It's the capacity mm. to be true to a promise you make, accountability. Mm. It's, and it's everything that comes before making a promise. So I'm promising I will do social change here. And it's like, okay, great. What is the process? To whom am I promising? On what base? What is the quality of my promising? Mm-hmm. Am I good enough? It's a good promise in a way. And once I make the promise, accountability, not compliance, is also about being able to say, hey, I promise I will do social change in this in this way. But you know what? We are learning that it's, we need to do something different. We need to do it better. So mm-hmm. the quality of the promise is also in this feedback tool. And I really think we are, it's not about saying, hey, I promise that and I don't keep track of change. For me, accountability is about saying all the people that are, if you make a good promise, you create good relations, you create honesty, you create trust. So it's very possible to say, hey, we thought we would go there, but we know now that the road doesn't work. It wouldn't work there. We could do differently. Can we renegotiate? And the negotiation is not about the donor. It's about everyone. So for me, that's good. But you need to have the learning institutionalized, right? You have to make sure that you have moments where you stop and look at what you're doing and see to figure out whether it's going in the right direction or not and bring about that change that's needed. And accountability is never first with the donor. Actually, my rule and what I say to people is that if you got any data that is just going 
and stay in your computer or going up to the donor, you shouldn't get because this is an overhead. So whatever information you have, being number, being evidence and so on, if this is not used to really make true decision or if it is not used to work together with the other actors, community first, then you shouldn't collect because we are not there to waste time collecting them. And actually, there are, you know, the, the moment you start shifting in that, uh, even counting people, you have a project. I think it's not a question of counting communities and send them out, but it's a, it becomes for me a, a question of informing people about change. Like, mm-hmm. we are making this project with you. We are also making it in this other community, let's create a map where this project is going on that is public. You can access it on your phone so you see who else is working here. And if you start doing that, you create accountability, you show where you are working, but suddenly someone that works in a community can also say, hey, they also work there and my uncle is there. You know what? Mm. Let's talk about that. So there are perfect ways to get our understanding and evidence, not number, not measure, but mapping out where it's happening, mapping out who is involved, mapping up the network and so on in ways that are also useful to the people on the ground. And if it is, no, we shouldn't get that because it means we are just, we are trying to do something and talking with numbers to other people, not directly connected, talk about a different reality. So if it doesn't match, we shouldn't do it. Yeah. In your experience, Silva, have you had conversations like that? Because, um, The reason I'm asking this question is because some of the structures, some of the mechanisms currently of funding, of um, the, the, the middle agencies in between, you know, uh, the beneficiaries and the donor, they're, they're numerous. They have their own systems, their own, mostly for compliance purposes. Have you engaged in conversations, yeah, for example, I mean, evaluations? I'm, I'm working. So it means that I'm very much, you know, that's my line. So I had this conversation and I know the space to do something exists and it's very real. So those conversations matter and they are like an epiphany for many people because it's about many people find them depression because many people think that we are going round and round when we know that a lot of things we do in the administration of project is meaning. We know that the reality of project is much richer than what we manufacture and we could do much more. And many people, especially the people who are in the middle administration layer or, you know, anyone, that, the people on the ground do tons of things, fantastic and so on. They got tons of learning, tons of evidence that we will manage, never manage to capture because we are fixated with things that are totally useless. The people that are most of the time in the office, they know there is much more to what they do. And they have the struggle of creating space for people who work on the ground and at the same time make the donors. And donors are not, I mean, we shouldn't blame them on the donors. Sometimes I found many donors that, you know, when I go on the ground, I videos, cartoons and so on. They say, thank you, because now I understand what's going on. So it's not that donors don't want to know. I think we are so, our sector is unfortunately so concerned, so sick, and uh, that we are prisoner of our own uh, system. So we really need to do something about it. We are prisoner of a whole way of thinking. We know it's wrong. Deep inside, we know it's wrong. 
there are other metrics, other way of understanding change. You know, think about the log frame. The log frame was born in the 70s. It's a military thing. And we are using it. The, I mean, I think even before the 70s, humanity was not gone on the moon at the same time. And we keep the same tool over and over for 60 years. I think this is the only way of thinking, which is not. You know, the innovation comes from uh, thinking about complexity, thinking about data and evidence this way. Um, all artificial intelligence wouldn't be born if they're designed with a long log frame. Um, all the innovation sector, they don't use log frame. They use totally different way of uh, working, understanding reality. And we are the people who want to mobilize community to do social change. And we are using not only old tools, but an old way of thinking. And I really think consultant, the word consultant can come in because I think in a way consultant could give fresh life. And in my sector, I think some consultants are really trying hard because we are, you know, more free thinker and many consultants are trying to bring new teams like environment, complexity, different way of thinking. Many are incredible. And I really think they are using the same report format and the same criteria and same things over and over, basically, you know, freezing possibilities. So I don't know what is the role of consultants. I know what I think it should be. I think it should be this moment of fresh air when you can bring different uh, thinking because we don't need just different tools. We need to have different thinking. And yeah, I could go on a lot, eh? but uh, I think we are wired to think that change happens linearly. We decide the plan, and of course, reality goes as part of the plan. Come on. Uh, the moment you wake up and you go out of your home, I think you have a plan. How many times you go back home and things went Land. Never. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plans can be at best a direct, but the thing that then we can control reality, especially if you want to provoke social change, is. And Silva, you, you know, uh, it's true, the log frame has been around for a while. I, I, I remember when I was trained uh, on log frames at the end of the 90s, actually, it was a three day affair. Log frames were designed in groups, participatory, three, you know, for three days. You really had to unpack every single assumption, every single risk, etc. Now we're doing them more of a, it's more of a copy and paste exercise, I say, <laughs> from one project to another. And I think that's why we saw the rise of other ways of envisioning a project, of designing a project that was the, uh, uh, you know, the, um, some 20 years ago now, the theory of change. It came in and brought in more of a depth in terms and, you know, a real look at uh, what it is that you want to change and the fact that when you do want to bring about social change, you have a particular lens. You're looking at it with your assumption, with your beliefs, with your uh, way of seeing the world, and it might not be the, the right one. So it was an opportunity theory of change. See, it, yes, it was an opportunity, but change is also a great example of sometimes the thinking feels, if you just think is about tool is the wrong end because the theory of change has been appropriated by some way of thinking that maybe made it look like a, a famous log frame on terror. And in this case, I say, just let's just do a log frame. It's easier because 
we have this incredible complex uh, theory of change that have nothing else than the usual cascade of results. So this is a case where a way of thinking that is about uh, control and linearity is all equal, then I can map it. And if I only think about all the assumption of course, change will happen like that, which is not real. And some people started to understand theory of change differently, that say, you know what, we don't know how things will unfold, because even if we know everything, even if we know all the connections can, can work in different ways, right? tipping points, you know, all the language of complexity, emergency, emergence. So as far as we try to map, we will never know how things will evolve. So think about these beautiful birds flying, you know, the flock of birds and so on. There are rules within that. There are positions amongst the birds, but what direction they will take, we don't know. So we know enough to understand the behavior, but we don't know exactly how things will evolve. So there are different ways to understand change, but this requires a different way of thinking. And we are not there. We are totally not there because we are stuck in control. We are stuck in a certain mindset and so on. So you create a theory of change and the theory of change will be sucked in back in the old way of thinking. Absolutely, yeah. And I think also the organizations that are trying to bring about change have become so large, so big. That's why we need control and compliance, etc. They're not agile enough to be able to seize opportunities when they arise in the community to actually capture them, see them, etc. It's very hierarchical. Those who work on the field, in the on the ground, who have the dust on the boots, who really are day in, day out, interacting and looking at those dynamics move, they're not brought into the conversation. They're not brought into even a conversation in designing new projects. They're just asked to complete, you know, forms that actually are quite boring to complete to for compliance. Purposes. I'm totally with you, but also we should question. There are many different ways. I'm totally with you, but there are many ways to run organizations. And we are incredibly stuck with a highly hierarchical way of running organization where community, or we can use the community card, is literally the end of the chain instead of being the inspirator and the, the thing that holds us together. So I really don't think we should think of there is community at the end and then there is the field stuff and so on. Actually, we should have the communities we work with. And then it should be far more horizontal. And, uh, I think many people are trapped into this way of organizational change. And uh, I'm seeing it now with the event in Gaza is really interesting because uh, there are many people within organizations that would like to have different responses to what is happening, to maybe sometimes being more creative, more vocal to the event in, in Gaza. And they're feeling that... They cannot do it now in some organizations. But what is happening is that many people say, hey, we need to do something. And there are there is a lot of networking, a lot of horizontal work that shows that people know well that uh, as change actor, we need to become much more transversal, much more dynamic, much more able to work and use our competencies uh, outside the organizational group which is fantastic. And who are the people that I'm seeing now active on the issue are the people who are embracing a different way of thinking, more oriented to participation, to awareness of the need to decolonize our space. Because all this idea that we can control and measure is a colonial attitude. 
you know. And if you start looking at how feminist MNE works, what are different ways, works differently. You can uh, you can embrace a different way of working that is non-colonial. So the people that you meet that are active now in this terrible circumstance of Gaza actually much more orient feminism, decolonization, uh, participation, uh, capacity to be uh, activist in a way. And I really find it, it's the silver lining in a way, because I find that the sector is not dead, that there are many possibilities that actually for me are the future of the sector. Because let's be true, if we could, if we continue with this obsession on control, measure, and uh, basically forgetting that working with communities is about embracing complexity and change and uh, surprise and, uh, you know, humanity, in a way, we will become contractors. Fine, great. Let's become contractors, but then let's not call ourselves civil society. But the challenge of civil society for the future, and, you know, gas is Climate change is uh, uh, inequality. You know, there yeah, are time of incredible change. What a lot will not bring us anywhere. Major with before understanding will not bring us anywhere. Incapacity to see networks and connection and therefore understanding change differently will not bring us anywhere. Not recognizing complexity will not bring us anywhere. So I really think we need to embrace a different mindset. And this is different and difficult because it's easy to have another tool. You do a little bit of training and so on, but we need to unlearn and learn to think differently. And many people are up for the challenge. And I think cross-cutting, there are donors, there are field workers, there are people at all levels that now are feeling lost and frustrated. Feel like, oh, we need to fight system. But you know, I'm a cycling, I like bicycle, cycle activist. And um, what we say to the people stuck in car is like, you are not in traffic, you are traffic. So the moment you hop on a bike and you start thinking different, you are also exploring a new way. If you are just stuck in your car thinking, oh, oh and traffic, you deny and you forget you are the system. So I'm really calling for the people to say, you know what, let's go. Let's get on a more agile bike. Let's rediscover doubt. Let's redesign space where it's because it's possible and it's needed because otherwise contractors can do better work and, and so yeah, this is fantastic. You know, I had a, I had another card, uh, Silva. It's diversity, and and actually, I I didn't bring it in because I I, I wanted to listen to you. I could have. It it was music to my ears to some extent. It reminded me as well what you were saying. Uh, the Omidyar group has worked a lot on um, systems thinking. And um, and the way they uh, they see like they don't talk about a goal they call it as the there are like many stars there's there's a star that you are trying to reach and and the metaphor of of the stars that one that is very far this is like your big goal and then one that is much closer that you can work towards I think that was very close to what you're saying because there is. It, you know, we have to embrace our, the diversity, the diversity of the complex of the, uh, and the complexity of the situation. There are so many, there's no more one issue. When you talk about environment, you cannot not talk about social norms, about behaviors, about uh, all sorts of things, about cars, as you were saying. It's, it's all interlinked and you need all this kind of pluri or multidisciplinary 
approach uh, to to anything that you do. It needs to be nimble. So you know what what you were saying. I, I I hear you, and I am also seeing that there are more and more of these people who do want who are completely disillusioned by the way the system is functioning right now. It's not achieving any results. The reason I started this podcast was for that to give voice because I was. You know, after 20 years of working on monitoring and evaluation, you, you, you just see that we could have done so much more, so much better with, but we've been focusing maybe on the wrong things, on measuring the wrong things, <laughs> but also uh, using the wrong tools to measure. Even if you do have to, even if it was the right things, it was the wrong tools that we were using to, to measure them. But I love, I love your uh, thing about direction because, you know, it's like, for me, it's a different scene between going by sailing boat and maybe to even like, uh, well, Christopher Columbus is discredited by, you know, one of these people trying to go and explore or using rails. So rails, you need to have an infrastructure, you go there, the train works and they will go in some destination. And great, let's have rails because for something they work very well. And actually, I, I really think that for some social infrastructure, it's good to have rates, you know, having clear direction and things that can deliver and clear direction. But then if you want to discover new worlds, then you need to be able to go with the sailing boats. And yes, you know that there is something there and you don't even know, maybe it's America, maybe it's India or whatever. And you need to deal with the wind because then you, even if you have a direction, you are not 100% sure you can go the shortest route or you need to change or you need to stop somewhere else because the wind will just not take you there. Mm. And I really think we should be much more the people on the same boat. Mm. And civil society has this capacity that other actors don't have. Mm. Mm-hmm. For that, you have to be very grounded in your context, right? You have to know and feel the environment that's moving around you to be able to to change, not be focused on log frame, on direction. But which is also the added value of civil society. Because the added value of civil society is saying by being close to the context, by being close to people and by understanding diversity, that I really like to recover mm-hmm. this diversity card mm-hmm. together with community. Because I hate, for example, I always, when people say, oh, we work with the community and say, hey, hey, stop. What is this unity? Because community is not a monolith. Monolith. Community is- <laughs> it's something completely different. And, and, and so for me, you need to couple community with diversity and understand what diversity is all about. Because unfortunately, we are putting the people in boxes. Yeah. Know? And diversity is just understanding how many women, how many men, how many people. And those are important boxes. They need to exist because, thanks God, we have those lenses, but they are not the only lenses that could exist. Yeah. And I always remember this, story, this uh, TV spot, I think it was of Danish TV. I don't know if you ever saw it. And they start by inviting people and they put them in literally boxes drawn on the floor. And there are business people, then there are young people, and then there are medical staff and so on, mm-hmm. all dressed with the same dress. So you see them as people in boxes, really, categories. But then they start asking different people, different questions, like, who likes to dance? And suddenly, out of those boxes, different people come out. And the people who like to dance are both business people and people 
people that work in a hospital and so on, and you realize, well, we can look at diversity in different ways. Yeah. And I really think civil society should have the capacity of looking at diversity in different ways. Because, yes, we have men, children, and so on. But then when we work, it's like asking, who has got, who likes to go dancing? And maybe you can create events and you can make dancing something that starts a peace-building initiative even, That's you know? Cool. If you go cross-cutting, because our capacity should be to understand the different way to slice community so that you can bring people with different skills to create some project. Otherwise, we use diversity as the usual boxes we go nowhere. Women will talk with women, men will talk with men, children will talk with children. Mm-hmm. When you the children with influence the growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Only if you slice them differently with a different way of thinking diversity. Yeah. It reminds me of another guest who came on the show who told me, you know, in our language, there's not even the word community. We don't use that word. It doesn't mean anything. It's a very American kind of yeah. uh, term. For us, it's either your neighborhood, your ethnic group, your family. Those are communities and there are different. And you have different identities within those communities. You can be in multiple communities. And different norms and different personalities. That's why I like the different diversity, because you may be a woman and you have certain norms, but some women will accept it, some women will not. Mm -hmm. So what is the dynamic there? That's why we need to have a completely different understanding of change, because we, as civil society, are the one who can have different and giving different ideas. But if we keep on operating on this uh, control, pilot, pre-plan, and so on, we actually, I think we totally miss on our added value. And we are uh, basically going for extinction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> I, think <laughs> I think we want the extinction of a certain way of doing things, right? Exactly. Uh, and mindset. Uh, you know, I'm conscious of time, Silva. Thank you so much for your time, for the insight, the wisdom. I could have listened to you for for much longer. You know, three things came to to mind. You've clarified what you brought to me. I came out of it with you brought the human back to the fore of what we do and using the creativity of the human, the nimbleness, and let's bring that back in and uh, make the most of that, use that. That was one thing that came to me. Another thing that I'm leaving this conversation with is clarification of terms for me. You use, I'm just going to use two here, but it's, let's not use measure, use evidence because it's more encompassing rather than measure. And the other one is, it's a definition of accountability for you, that you really separated it from compliance. So, and it's true that we use it as a shorthand to say accountability upward to the donor, when really we we need accountability to whoever it is that we work with. But also, I really like the use of to be true to a promise. And the quality of that promise is in that feedback loop. You you ensure the quality of that promise. And I think this is... uh, this is a great way to, for me to, to close this, uh, this conversation, Silva. It's bringing that human back and this, this promise of those of us who work on social change who really want to, to really make a difference, I guess. Thank you so much. We definitely need more of those conversations. <laughs> Thanks for, uh, for joining me, Silva. Take care. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Rethink Social Change Podcast. I hope you got a lot of value and actionable insights from today's show. 
would love if you take a minute to leave us a review. And if you work on social change and are up for the challenge, reach out. And before you go, be sure to subscribe so you're the first to know when we release a new episode. Till then, be the change.